In May of 2023, Reuben King, a Lancaster County dairy farmer, was convicted by a federal jury for the great crime of selling rifles and shotguns without a federal license. Now, Reuben King's main business is dairy farming, and he collected and sold firearms on the side. The federal law pertaining to selling rifles and shotguns is vague today, and it was even more vague when Reuben King sold his weapons. And it did not require him to acquire a license if he only sold occasionally and not with the principal motive of making a profit. And again, King's primary business was his dairy operation. Well, the vagueness of this man-made law was used against Reuben King, with federal and state agents first posing as buyers and going to his residence to buy weapons, and then issuing a search warrant, going back to his residence, and confiscating hundreds of rifles and shotguns. And then the court ruled against him, and now Reuben King awaits sentencing, and he faces up to $250,000 in fines or up to five years in prison. Well, Joshua Prince is an attorney, and he has represented Reuben King throughout this trial, and he joins us now to discuss this case and the latest with Reuben King. Josh, thanks so much for joining the show today. I wonder if you could start out by sharing with our listeners just a little bit of the background to the Reuben King story and what's happened to bring him to this point where now he is awaiting sentencing and could possibly be put behind bars. Sure, and thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, It's a a really... Uh, insane issue that has uh, befallen Mr. Uh, King. The background is that he's a dairy farmer, and over the years, he also has had uh, some firearms that he had purchased for himself, his family, uh, that uh, he would occasionally sell. And he didn't think there was anything of issue with that. At one point, the an agent from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives had come out and spoke with Mr. King about uh, his prior sales of some firearms. And Mr. King asked him uh, specifically, do I need a federal firearms license for this? And the agent said, you may. Uh, Did not say he did. Uh, Said that basically consistent with what the law provided and even ATF's own brochure at that time, that there is no bright line rule. Now, uh, we may get into it a little bit later, The Congress in late 23, or excuse me, yeah, I think it was 23, uh, would later amend the definition of what it meant to be engaged uh, in the practice of selling firearms or engaged in the business uh, because they were aware of the vagueness of it. Uh, But at the time that uh, Mr. King uh, was occasionally selling firearms, the ATF had this brochure out that actually said that there is no bright line rule. And that was the terminology from in uh, that brochure. And so Mr. King didn't think he was required to obtain a federal firearms license. And in fact, he couldn't obtain a federal firearms license, even if he wanted to, because he is of the Amish faith. And they have a closely held religious belief that precludes them from having their photograph taken. And one of the requirements in order to obtain a federal firearms license is to provide a photograph of oneself. So he was even ineligible for that uh, specific license. Nevertheless, again, he did not understand that he needed any license. And when he asked ATF, and it's also important to mention to the listeners that during the trial, the ATF agent acknowledged that he only told Ruben that he may need or might need a license, not that he did need it. Uh, And unfortunately, in January of 2022, 
ATF would issue a, a search warrant, come in to his family farm, take all of their firearms, and shortly thereafter an indictment uh, would be filed against Mr. King for the sale of firearms without a federal firearms license. Uh, we represented Mr. King from the start. We filed a motion to dismiss with the federal court, which unfortunately uh, the court, there are a slew of different legal issues that are pertinent to this matter. Uh, and the court really didn't take any time to analyze them. So when I say there are a number of different issues, uh, we have issues with the vagueness of the language uh, that was in place at the time that Mr. King uh, had these occasional sales. We have issues with regards to the more recent Supreme Court decision in Bruin versus New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, where the court was very explicit that in order for a law to be constitutional, it must be consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. And here, uh, it's not. In fact, it wasn't until 1938 that any form of licensing was required to sell firearms. So you have somewhere around 147 years since the ratification of the uh, Bill of Rights before, you know, there was any licensing requirement, which per Bruin is way too late. The, the court in Bruin even stated that laws in the mid-1800s were arguably too late unless they cited to prior laws that were in place of a similar nature. Uh, so that basically those laws would kind of be secondary if they are tethered to a pre-existing law that maybe we can't find because of its age or something of that nature. So here you have the fact that we're into, you know, the late, well, I should say the late early 1900s before you have uh, any type of regulation in that regard. So it's hard to fathom how this could be possibly constitutional. Now, the federal court sidestepped this issue by saying that the Second Amendment doesn't protect the sale of arms, which is absolutely obscene. And we even pointed out to the court that there have been two Third Circuit Court of Appeal decisions, which is the appellate court that sits above this federal uh, court, that have held that the sale of arms is protected by the Second Amendment. And yet the court just ignored that mozzarella uh, as well as Drummond, those were the two cases uh, where the Third Circuit had come down and emphasized that the sale of arms is protected under the Second Amendment. But nevertheless, the court said, I don't even have to look to see if there's any uh, tradition, historical tradition here in the United States because of the fact that uh, it isn't protected by the Second Amendment. And if you really think about that and how obscene uh, that would be to say that the uh, right to sell arms is not protected by the Second Amendment, because at that point, you could absolutely bar all arms because you'd never be able to sell them. If they can regulate out the, the ability to sell arms as not being protected under the Constitution, then you, you no longer would have any ability to own arms because you'd never be able to purchase them. Uh, and it's interesting, Justice Thomas, in a, a case not uh, directly related, but had said that constitutional rights thus implicitly protect those closely related acts necessary to their exercise. 
there comes a point at which the regulation of action intimately and unavoidably connected with a right is a regulation of the right itself. Without protection for these closely related rights, the Second Amendment would be toothless. Likewise, the First Amendment right to speak would be largely ineffective if it did not include the right to engage in financial transactions that are the incidents of its exercise. Uh, and that makes complete sense. So there's uh, serious issues there. We also, as I mentioned, have these issues with the vagueness or what sometimes in the law we refer to as the rule of lenity, where basically if they're in a criminal law context is uh, any type of ambiguity, it must inure to the uh, defendant's favor. And here, as I mentioned a couple times now, ATF itself had acknowledged that the law was vague, that there was no bright line rule as to when you needed any type of federal firearms license. And the definition of engaged in the business at the time uh, Mr. King had these occasional sales, and again, they would the Congress would later amend this definition while Mr. King's being prosecuted. But at the time he's alleged to have committed these offenses, the definition of engaged in the business was uh, in relation to a dealer, a person who devotes time, attention, and labor to dealing in firearms as a regular course of trade or business with the principal objective of livelihood and profit through the repetitive purchase and resale of firearms, but such terms shall not include a person who makes occasional sales, exchanges, or purchases of firearms for the enhancement of a personal collection or for a hobby or who sells all or part of his personal collection of firearms. The definition of with the principal uh, objective of a livelihood and profit was defined as that the in intent, excuse me, underlying the sale or disposition of firearms is predominantly one of obtaining livelihood and pecuniary gain as opposed to other intents. And then it goes on uh, to give uh, a little bit further explanation. But the issue for Mr. King is he didn't keep track of any records relating to firearms that he sold. He didn't look, I shouldn't say he didn't keep track of any records. He had uh, a listing of some of the firearms that he had sold and he would strike because they wanted to make sure that his family members knew if there were any family um, you know, estate proceedings that needed to occur that they didn't need to be looking for a firearm that was listed on one of his she sheets as having him having bought it and it not being there. Um, but he didn't keep track of how much he purchased ones for or sold them for. There was no intent on his part to make a profit at it. Um, and so in his mind, he, his livelihood is being a dairy farmer, not selling firearms. And so there was a, a real misunderstanding on his part, and it seems like on the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives part, as uh, he was specifically asking them the first time they came out whether he needed that license, and they said, you may, you might. But he said, do I need it? And they said, it depends. Uh, so that's exactly the type of response or the type of law which would result in a vagueness challenge or a rule of lenity challenge being upheld by the courts. But again, unfortunately, uh, the court didn't and dismissed 
uh, that original motion to dismiss. Uh, there are other issues here, uh, other constitutional issues here, and we raised First Amendment issues as well as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. Basically, they kind of go hand in hand in the sense that this is the free exercise of Mr. King's uh, religious beliefs. If you're going to require him to get a license that as part of that licensing scheme requires him to violate his religious tenets, then that licensing scheme is unconstitutional. And we even cited to some case law where uh, other federal courts have previously found that where someone had a closely held religious belief and it violated, well, let me take a step back. They found that where someone had a closely held religious belief of not having their photograph taken, it was unconstitutional for a state to require a photograph for their driver's license. Uh, and there we're just talking about a privilege, the right to drive. Here we're talking about a constitutional right, the Second Amendment. And that, as I mentioned before, clearly encompasses the ability to uh, sell firearms as well as to procure them. So uh, we had raised this issue and said that basically for those of the Amish faith, the licensing scheme is completely unconstitutional because it forces them to pick and choose between their Second Amendment rights and their First Amendment rights, which our courts don't never require individuals to pick and choose which of their constitutional rights they want to assert. We have all of those constitutional rights, each and every one of us. Uh, and then there was uh, other issues as well that we really went through, and I don't want to belabor the point, but there were a number of serious issues with the government's prosecution or at least determination to prosecute Mr. King, given both the Second Amendment issues at play as well as Mr. King's religious beliefs. Well, I can ask you a few clarifying questions on that. Before we get into maybe a little bit more detail on some of the legal arguments, just help our listeners understand here what Reuben King was doing. Would I be correct to say that the weapons that he was selling, these were not illegal weapons. These are not weapons that the federal government has said, you are not allowed to sell these weapons. These are weapons that are forbidden. In this case, Reuben King was selling weapons that were perfectly legal, and he was selling them mainly to his Amish friends and neighbors for hunting. And yet, ATF agents and state troopers went into his property. They conducted undercover operations. They opposed his buyers. And then they used all that information to indict Mr. King. Yes, that's all accurate. He never even sold a single handgun. Uh, he doesn't even own a handgun because there, here in Pennsylvania is no ability for someone to, generally speaking, obtain a handgun in the absence of having uh, photo identification, because here in Pennsylvania, we can only purchase or transfer a handgun through a federal firearms licensee, a gun dealer. And that gun dealer is required in performing the transaction to see photo identification uh, in order to complete that transfer. So. Um, there were never any handguns that Mr. King owned or sold. These were all rifles and shotguns, and that was it. So here's a man selling rifles and shotguns to his neighbors, providing a service, uh, working his dairy farm full-time, and yet our federal and state government is spending its time and money to conduct a sting operation on this Amish farmer. Very disturbing that this is where the focus of our law enforcement, if you will, is being aimed at someone like Reuben King. 
Josh, can you briefly maybe just share any other details about, I know you tried to get this dismissed and how the judge responded. I remember reading something from the judge saying, you know, there's no clear line here, but wherever that line is, Reuben King definitely crossed it. And then he goes before this jury and the jury finds him guilty. Anything you want to add on those two things? No, you're correct about the judge's decision. What was a little bit interesting is at the time of trial, the judge had no recollection of having issued a decision or knowledge that the Congress, while Mr. King is being prosecuted, had amended the definitions of engaged in the business and added new definitions because of its acknowledgement that these laws were vague. Uh, and yet all that was in our briefing. Uh, so that was a little bit disconcerting. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, it is what it is. We, you know, had done everything we could, uh, but you're correct that the the jury did come back uh, and found against Mr. King. Um, And at that point, there was a a slight change in the law. Although uh, the U.S. Supreme Court had already decided uh, the Bruin decision, we had a new decision come down from the Third Circuit, which again is that appellate court that sits above uh, this federal court, and say that here now, under Pennsylvania and New Jersey and those within the Third Circuit, the the new analysis as directed by Bruin uh, is that, you know, now as long as it's something that's covered under the Second Amendment, then the obligation is on the government to establish a, a tradition of this nation regulating arms in a similar manner. Now, it doesn't have to be a twin And the U.S. Supreme Court was clear about that, but it has to be somewhat similar. And a single law somewhere in the states around the time of founding isn't going to be enough because that could be an outlier. Uh, And so, you know, the government couldn't point to a single law. They literally, although we filed this motion to dismiss and then later a motion to vacate when the range decision, which I'm just referencing now, came down, the government has not once provided any historical justification for this law, the licensing requirement being constitutional, which I think is very interesting. And I I think the reality of the situation is because they can't. There isn't any requirements before 1938 for someone to need to obtain a license to sell firearms. And so they've solely focused on arguing that the sale of arms does not come under the Second Amendment. And if it doesn't protect that, like I said before, then you have nothing because people would never be able to procure them. If the manufacture and sale of arms is not protected by the Second Amendment, you have no arms. So the jury finds Reuben King guilty of selling firearms without a federal license. He's awaiting sentencing now. The government has taken essentially all his his weapons that he was selling, never to be returned, it seems. So give us an update on, on where he's at now and if there's any further steps that, that you can take, that he can take to maybe get out from under this. So with in the Amish faith, again, it's different than maybe some of the listeners are aware of. He had several hundred firearms because he would purchase them to have them in case anything would ever befall the family where they needed funds to be able to protect their, you know, dairy farm, whatever uh, that may arise. So we're talking several hundred firearms he had that were family arms. And they also took a number of firearms that were owned 
by his different children and relatives uh, that there were there on site. And they actually went and sought forfeiture of it, even though they couldn't prove whose arms were whose. And the jury was, again, willing to just say that all these arms, for the most part, there were, uh, I believe, two antique uh, firearms which don't constitute being firearms, to which the jury said, okay, those you don't have to uh, forfeit. Uh, but the remainder of everything has to be forfeited. And, you know, now we're in a situation where I would have loved to have been able to appeal this decision already up to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. But unfortunately, until sentencing occurs, there is an inability to file any type of appeal. So right now, sentencing has been rescheduled several times by the court uh, and is now scheduled for late January. So we'll see what happens then. But until such time as he's sentenced, uh, there's no ability to file that appeal. Unbelievable. The government basically comes in and steals his firearms and attempts to maybe lock him up. I mean, what are the potential, what are the sentencing guidelines here for something like this in the federal government's eyes? Well, it's my understanding that the government in this case isn't really looking to put him behind bars. There are certain uh, mandatories depending on how they argue the case. But my understanding, at least as of now, and I don't want to say too much because I don't want to change things, but they're not looking for any sentencing enhancements or that. My understanding is they're probably fine with him just receiving probation. But at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the judge. Uh, So we don't know what the judge is going to do there. The other issue uh, is that it would be up to the judge if any form of sentence is imposed as to whether to stay it pending an appeal. So if the judge does impose some sort of jail time, it would be up to that same judge as to whether Mr. King can stay having to go to the jail and be processed there, uh, or whether he can remain with his family until such time as the Third Circuit or even the U.S. Supreme Court renders a decision in this case. Would that be Judge Leeson that would make that decision? Yes. Okay, and Judge Leeson is the one who had, you had requested to dismiss the case, you had requested to vacate the ruling. All along the way, he's kind of been against your efforts and Ruben's efforts to get out from under this. Now, whatever the sentencing is, it doesn't seem like Reuben King's getting his guns back unless this is appealed and it's overturned. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Uh, there are some ability to, for some people who have their own interest in uh, firearms that were seized there to file claims against uh, for a civil forfeiture action that would likely be filed by the government in the future. Uh, they can't file those claims in this criminal proceeding. This criminal proceeding only determined that uh, any interest that Mr. King may have in all of those firearms uh, was deemed to be forfeited, basically, and that uh, all those arms go to the government. Now, in the event that there is an appeal that is successful, then that would undermine that forfeiture action, meaning uh, that would no longer stand. And again, it would depend on exactly what the court holds. But based on prior Third Circuit precedent in the Bruin decision, it would seem clear to me that the regulation uh, befalling Mr. King uh, is unconstitutional. Now, I suspect that the court would be less inclined to issue a uh, far-reaching ruling, such as arguing or, or declaring that all of Section 923, which involves the requirement to be licensed to sell firearms 
for a profit. Um, that it's unlikely they'd rule that all unconstitutional. Rather, they may take a smaller step and just simply say, under the First Amendment, this clearly violates Mr. King's uh, religious freedoms, and as such, as applied just to Mr. King and or uh, those of the religious faith, the licensing requirement is unconstitutional. The court could also take a different tact Uh, As I've mentioned a couple times now, the Congress has changed the language uh, since Mr. Uh, King was involved in this conduct and his prosecution. So the court could come down and say the prior language, which he was prosecuted under and had to be prosecuted under that because it was the language enacted at the time of the alleged incidents, uh, is vague or violates the rule of lenity, whereby it would the decision would only apply to Mr. King and leave for another day whether the new enactment by the Congress is constitutional. So in my experience, I would suspect you would see a more limited decision out of the court, basically sidestepping the big issue and saying, we don't even need to reach whether uh, the licensing requirement is constitutional under the Second Amendment, because we can give Mr. King relief because we find that the language of the statute at the time was overly vague or violative of the rule of lenity. Yeah, it seems like they often decide to do that instead of tackling the bigger issue. But can you clarify, maybe you've already said this, but just for my sake, the, the, the change to the law that was made, what specifically was that change that now people other besides Reuben King that are selling firearms that may be brought under the same sort of persecution and prosecution by the federal government? What does the law state now about selling rifles and shotguns? It's actually uh, more encompassing. The sections uh, were changed somewhat, uh, uh, I don't want to say broadly, I still think that they're vague. I still think that someone uh, who is subjected to them still has uh, arguments to say that, listen, this is not correct, but now engaged in the business uh, is defined as a person who devotes time, attention, and labor to dealing in firearms as a regular course of trade or business to predominantly earn a profit. They've removed the for a livelihood from there, but to predominantly earn a profit through the repetitive purchase and resale of firearms. Uh, And then it goes on to still say, but such terms shall not include a person who makes occasional sales, exchanges, or purchases of firearms for the enhancement of a personal collection or for a hobby, uh, which again, Mr. King was under the understanding. He fell into that latter clause. Uh, And then they defined, redefined, I should say, uh, what the principal objective of livelihood and profit is, that the intent underlying the sale or disposition of a firearm is predominantly one of obtaining livelihood. Before it was to obtain a livelihood. Now it's predominantly one of obtaining livelihood and pecuniary gain as opposed to other intents. And then uh, we have a new definition that they added to what it means to predominantly earn a profit uh, and that the intent underlying the sale or disposition of firearms is predominantly one. And you got to love when defining a, a phrase, they use the same terms within the definition. Predominantly one of obtaining pecuniary gain as opposed to other intents, such as improving or liquidating personal firearms collection. Uh, so you basically have no reason to define something because you're basically utilizing the same words in your phrase in the definition. So they're really hanging off this predominantly earn a profit uh, language now instead of the more broad that was 
just simply uh, if you were doing it for a livelihood and profit. Yeah, the bane of free men is the vagueness of man-made law. Very frustrating that this is happening to Reuben King right here in Lancaster County. Josh, anything else you'd like to add for our listeners as we wrap up here on what's going on with Reuben King and what this means to other people? Uh, just that, obviously, sentencing will be coming up in late January, and we're hopeful uh, that at that point he will not be sentenced to any type of jail term uh, and that he'll just simply receive probation. Even with that, we can still appeal if he wants to. Obviously, for the King family, this has not been easy or cheap. Uh, and I know you were very gracious, Chris, to set up a, uh, a, a place for people to be able to contribute to Mr. King and his ongoing legal challenges. I don't know if Mr. King is going to decide to appeal the decision. I think there are extremely good uh, legal arguments to appeal in this matter. Uh, however, it may depend on what sentence the judge decides to impose and what uh, funds Mr. King has. As I said earlier, uh, basically their idea of an, a nest egg, all the firearms that he had invested in, in case, God forbid, anything required that they sell them to save the family farm or for health reasons or such like that. That's basically their, their form of uh, insurance for when they get older. Um, that's all gone. They don't have a 401k. They don't have uh, any savings or that. They've spent a substantial amount defending against the government. And so the question will be whether Mr. King wants to continue to incur costs to try and vindicate his name and to, you know, hold the government accountable uh, for the laws that it enacted that were overly vague, that even ATF acknowledged. So I really appreciate all the listeners. If, you know, you do have an ability to help Mr. King, I know he would be extremely grateful uh, for any type of assistance. Um, and I, as I mentioned before, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to take this case up on appeal and vindicate Mr. King because what the government has done here is, is just beyond the pale. And I will share that link where you can donate to Reuben King's cause in a moment. You see the weaponization of the legal process against someone who is doing good, serving his neighbor, committing no evil, and yet the law now is against him. Josh, thanks so much for sharing these updates, and uh, we hope to hear from you soon again. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you having me, Chris. You have a wonderful day, and stay safe. Well, if you would like more information about Reuben King and his fight against the statist gun grabbers, and if you would like to donate to support his family, go to givesendgo.com slash Reuben King. Again, that's givesendgo.com slash Reuben King, R-E-U-B-E-N-K-I-N-G. G. And this story, as much as any other, reveals to us the tyranny of statism and the consequence of abandoning God's good law for man's wicked mandates. For more information about the Lancaster Patriot, go to thelancasterpatriot.com. Until next time, remember that Christ, not man, is king. So long.